The revelations exposed during the Me Too era have been felt from Wall Street to Silicon Valley to Capitol Hill. The movement opened the eyes of many men in the workplace on how female coworkers deserve to be treated. And while progress has been made, some men are finding new ways to ostracize women, even if they don't know it. This is TikTok. I'm Dave Myers. Joining me today is Bloomberg's Katya Porzakansky. Katya, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You reported on a kind of cause and effect story for Bloomberg on this controversial approach some men in the workforce are taking to avoid being accused of anything in the Me Too era. What did you find? So we found, and this is, um, we specifically were looking in, the, in Wall Street and in finance where women are very scarce among the, the higher ranks. Um, but of course, this is something that's prevalent uh, across industries. And we're finding that there are men that are avoiding having a relationship with a woman of any kind. Um, and that can be extremely problematic in the workplace when, especially in finance, where you don't have a lot of women in the upper ranks, you are going to find a big gap in mentorship. So this avoiding being with women has a very damaging effect of basically afflicting uh, gender segregation. So when you say avoiding, what do you mean exactly? So uh, we talked with lots of men, um, a few dozen, and they had different rules. You know, one man said that he won't have dinner with a woman who's under 35. I don't understand why 35 is uh, the age that he picked. Um, it's offensive on all levels. But um, no women, no, no dinner with women under 35. Some men are avoiding... Um, after work drinks with women, um, they'll keep a office door open when it would otherwise be a private conversation closed. I heard of a story of a woman who was kicked out of a meeting because the t subject matter was going to be um, another woman. Mm. Um, just these things that are pretty ludicrous. Um, and it goes way well beyond, oh, let me just be a little bit more... Um, conscientious uh, about maybe not getting drunk with a colleague. It goes far, far beyond that um, and really does threaten um, more segregation between the genders in, in finance. So in an attempt to be respectful, they're actually causing this segregation gap uh, with women. And it's causing the company to then have women who are, are like you said, not facing, uh, getting the mentorships, getting the FaceTime with maybe the men that uh, run the company. And the problem is I, I really struggle to see it as respect for women. I see it as more, um, and it was very evident that these men, a lot of them weren't worried about being disrespectful towards women. They were more worried about preserving their themselves and their jobs and their privilege. Um, it's, you know, the concern that they seemed to share was one of a false accusation, which is what's pretty difficult to move the conversation forward around when the actual prevalence of false accusations is so low mm -hmm. um, that it, and, and the actual cost to women for speaking up is so high, it seems like a paranoia. It, more than anything, it, you know, the odds of you actually being falsely accused are very low. And the odds of a woman actually wanting to come forward, even if she was truly accused, are very low. So what are you really worried about, right? Um, that being said, uh, you know, there is this touchiness around, um, around the Kavanaugh um, mm -hmm. appointment. And um, it's something that you can't really get around. And so what's really important is to talk about it. And that's where companies are falling short. Okay. They're putting people in these one-off harassment training things or, you know, get to know your colleague thing and get comfortable with your colleague. And it's a one-off thing rather than 
really sitting down and having a conversation. And we were speaking with, we spoke with one um, employment attorney who was saying that that's the, that's the step that companies are really missing and have to, ma- have to take. Because this backlash to Me Too is happening. Mm-hmm. It's happening. But if we just act like it's not happening, we're never going to get around it. And so we need to have, um, as, as he suggested, we need the thought leaders in companies to start uh, really making an environment that's safe to have these discussions. Because as you can imagine, women are saying, uh, are feeling like they can't talk about it, mm-hmm. right? Like they don't want to be seen as, a, as not a team player. How do you actually prove a negative, right? How can you say, I was left out of that meeting? or I wasn't invited to drinks. It's so much harder to prove that it's actually a reality when you're the woman. And is this just men on their own making these decisions, or is there any kind of company policies that companies are warning their their male coworkers about? That's a great question. We had heard, you know, very, um, very unofficially and off the record, you know, about some smaller places that, maybe unofficially kind of doing this. Um, but so far, on a broader scale, it's a it's an individual policy. Mm-hmm. Um, but people are definitely talking about it. Just, just in the wake of the story coming out, we've had people emailing us, um, tweeting at us, things like, hi, I was at a meeting the other day and two people said that we're not hiring women anymore. And you're just, you're like, this is really real and people aren't talking about it. So hopefully... This at least gets people talking about it. And people have been talking about it for a while because it's bigger than just Wall Street, as you said earlier. And it even goes to Washington, D.C., where the vice president, Mike Pence, has a similar rule, doesn't he? That's right. So it was reported around um, the time of uh, of the election, actually, that many, many, many years ago in a in a uh, it was like an um, a profile of Mike Pence uh, from like literally like 20 years ago he had said that he doesn't have dinner with women who aren't his wife. Um, and that came, that came about uh, and was, light was shed on his comments a couple years ago. And it's one thing if you have a policy that's, I don't get dinner, period, right? You know, I don't go to dinner I, you know, at, at, with colleagues. I just go home and I leave my business to business hours. You know, I don't get drinks with women or men, mm-hmm. right? But the problem comes about when you're saying no to women. That's where you get this gender imbalance. And what you're going to see is the, a perpetuation of a gender imbalance in industries like finance, where it's already so, so bad. Right? We have some stats in our story um, from Mercer, which is a consulting company. And uh, these are from 2016s. But women make up just 15% of the executives on Wall Street. And they make up just 26% of the senior managers. How are you ever going to see a change in that if no one is training the next generation of women? Yeah, so that's, I think that's what companies maybe don't understand is that by building the segregation, they're down the road hurting their own company, aren't they? Men are also hurting themselves down the road, right? Um, companies, obviously, we've, it's the statistics have shown companies benefit from gender diversity and diversity across ethnicities. There's no downside to ethnic, to, to sorry, there's no downside to diversity. Um, there's only a downside to having a uh, a one note 
right uh, character in in, in, mm-hmm. in in the upper ranks. So that is the irony here that no one is benefiting from these types of policies, individual or company wide. Um, it's just going to hurt you. So, and of course, you have to really think about the women that are also being really, really hurt. They're they're losing job opportunities. They're losing mentorship opportunities. They're literally being escorted out of the door um, as a result of this. And at the same time, are facing a situation where they can't speak up. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the that's the bottom line. They can't speak up about this. I have to imagine for some men, this is almost un, an unconscious biased decision that they're making because they might think that I'm being respectful and I'm not going to put myself in a bad situation. But there is there any way to justify this so-called strategy? I think there is a justification. They believe that um, that the experience with Judge Kavanaugh was a pseudo justification. But I struggle with that justification because he's still on the bench, right? He made it and his career was not destroyed. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to actually, to find a martyr, you really have to find someone whose career was actually impacted. And the truth is, on the history of Wall Street, is that if you're a moneymaker and a revenue generator, they will find a way to to protect you. Um, in fact, that's that's something that we keep finding, right? Um, people who have actually paid settlements um, to colleagues because of harassment are still employed at a lot of these banks. Um, they you know, they might be um, dismissed, uh, not for cause, and they'll find a job somewhere else. Um, even in the ca- in the small set of cases where they're actually dismissed, they will often find a job somewhere else. What you don't find is a protection and an embracing of the victim, right? Um, And false accusations, to repeat, false accusations are very rare and a very small Mm -hmm. percent out there. But what isn't rare is harassment. What isn't rare is rape and assault. Um, so that's you know what's more important to keep in mind of. Another thing that's interesting is there was a study that um, came out the same day um, as our story. This study found that more than a quarter of women said that they'd been sexually harassed. Um, so already, you know, we know that this is uh, something that's pretty prevalent. Yeah. One in four women found that they've been sexually harassed at work. Um, when you dissect this. Uh, a colleague looking at another colleague's private parts or asking for sexual favors, a lot of men don't think that that counts as harassment, um, while two-thirds of women say it is. So a majority of men don't consider those things as harassment, whereas two-thirds of women do. Almost a third of women think that sexual jokes are considered harassment, while just 17% of men do. So when you just don't have folks seeing eye to eye, you don't have a conversation about what is okay. That's where um, these sort of pseudo techniques, right, actually come into play. They're not real. They're real. No, they're not going to be really effective techniques. Um, it was something that the as the employment attorney mentioned that a lot of men will know. Okay, I I can't grab my colleague's butt. That's a definitely a no. You think so? Yes. Yeah, but they they don't realize that things like leaning over in a certain way, they would be completely um, unaware that leaning over a colleague can be very intimidating to that colleague. Um, and so she, if that's a woman in that situation, she may not be feeling comfortable and, and the, the her colleague may have absolutely no idea that she felt uncomfortable in that situation. Proper education on those things you're just talking about seems to be lacking 
in the workforce, whether it's on Wall Street or anywhere uh, in the country. Is there enough in the companies? Uh, is there enough for companies to do to make this these things well known that they that shouldn't be something that's just not perceived as right or wrong? You'd think that th- it takes a lot of time and education. It's an investment in doing this and making this aware. But you'd think in the long run that would pay dividends if it can minimize the amount of settlements you have mm-hmm. to pay out, right? Um, the it's definitely no secret that ever since the you know Weinstein and the Me Too era came about, a lot of companies are having more sexual harassment trainings. Um, you know these one-time classes, uh, but that's really not a long-term solution. You're and also, a lot of them aren't even mandatory. Um, so, you know, they're like opt-in classes. Uh, so these, th- there's a lot more that can be done. Um, it will pay dividends, you know, going forward. Mm-hmm. If, if everyone just gets on the same page and we actually start having conversations about this. Um, and, you know, there's also a big generational issue here uh, where you have the millennial generation is just less willing to put up with things. Um, the baby boom generation, uh, especially when you think about the women and in the baby boomer generation and what they had to put up with to get ahead on Wall Street, it's just night and day. Mm-hmm. And so what you're also having is an internal riff among women where a younger generation will say, hey, I'm experiencing these things. And the older generation will say, you know, I don't even know what you're talking about. As long as he's not grabbing your butt, I don't know why you're complaining. So um, those types of things you expect with time will be phased out. Um, and but obviously, this conversation is is really just kind of getting started. That conversation needs to continue, obviously. And when the women you spoke to with your co-author Jillian Tan, what is the solution? Uh, I, I mean, I think as you know, as we mentioned, it just needs to be um, one. Per, as one person put it, just try not to be a jerk. <laughs> I don't know if we can curse on this. <laughs> if you can bleep me out, try not to be an. <laughs> he said, but um, the uh, and that's definitely a big part of this. It's just self awareness. Um, be respectful, but you don't. You know, there's no reason to start icing colleagues out. Um, you're just going to be derailing their careers and possibly your own right as as the attorney mentioned um you're going to be backing out of a sexual harassment complaint and right into a sex discrimination complaint if this starts being handled um on you know on a like widely handled like this that's what's going to happen um you know maybe there are things that uh institutions can be doing like saying uh Okay, if you're, you know, if being a mentor and mentoring your peers is going to be a significant part of your um, evaluation, maybe year end, and I think in a lot of um, companies, mentorship is is part of your evaluation. Uh, maybe they have to start showing I, you know, I've mentored X amount of women, um, because then they'll actually be held accountable for icing women out. That's one solution, perhaps. Um, obviously, talking about it is another one. Um, more general training, and again, getting the thought leaders, the the um, the opinion leaders of a company to step up and say, we need to create a safe space to talk about this. Katya, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Make sure to follow Katya on Twitter. She's at Katya Porzo. That's the TikTok for today. Thanks for listening, and please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. 
I'm Dave Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers. And you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.